Hello. Thank you for tuning in to Cotton in a Rocket Ship. I am your host, Lennox Mars Jr. We have another installment of the book Cotton in a Rocket Ship. This is episode six, and the title of this poem is called Racist. Um, if you guys are familiar with my previous works, I am now exiting the philosophical sense of of racism and um, the ideology of the foundation of of the biblical sense so I'm, I'm now coming out of the biblical sense of how I see the world into a literal sense of how I'm now adopting and seeing racism uh, firsthand and uh, this poem is the fifth poem in the book, but I understand this is episode six. So let's begin. Racist. All I ever known was race. Black bodies with German guns in a Mexican standoff. European thoughts clash with African ideals followed by South American drugs. This is what keeping it real. Jewish movies glorify Italian gangsters. We honor a street code not of our own. Accepted by the geometry of courts, of courts we belong in a zone. We lust for Italian designer, but everything is made in China. Religions from the Middle East, a political system that's Greek. If they preach freedom of the body and not freedom of the mind, what good is freedom of speech? Japanese manufactured cars are the norm in the street. American brands at home cannot compete. Police do the dirty work of the elite. The beasts taint our food, so what should I eat? Fast food is as dirty as fast cash. No money down on my bill of sale as our ex-owners get the last laugh. Thank you. That was called racist. Um, and once again, thank you for listening. Just to go into the director's cut of racist, I... I want to tell you that this is just an observation of what I see here in America. I live in America, so um, we are not as homogenous as it seems. Um, they always call America the melting pot, but uh, it's more like gumbo, meaning that um, Usually when you have something that's homogenous, it's, it's all together as one. You really can't tell the ingredients apart. But in gumbo or even in the West Indian soup, you can see and identify pieces of the corn that didn't go, go down or boil down into the broth. You can identify the chicken. You can identify the greens if there's uh, rice or, or some type of noodle. You can all taste the flavors that make um, the soup. 
And that's what I think and like in America too. So going into the piece of race, I'm looking at it from the lens of a black man who who's experiencing some things. And um, I go on to say that black bodies with German guns in a Mexican standoff. So I wanted to come out very um, uh, poignant in my point. I wanted to come out as strong as possible because a lot of times we are we are pulled, and the guns that we are using are there there aren't African made. The German we're using German guns. We're using Russian guns. We're using Israeli guns. So a lot of the guns that's in the street they're they're not American made. They're not even made by the black people who use them. And I just say in a Mexican standoff. So in movies there's always this this theme called you know a Mexican standoff where. There may be like a, a cartel or a drug scene or a, a western where uh, men are lined up facing each other and they all grabbing their guns and it's a very tense situation. So that's kind of like America. I want to just give you the tense feeling of being America and, and having race and racism. It's just a very tense feeling. It's a powder keg. Um, European thoughts clash with African ideals. So there's this struggle and then there's, there's this duality. Um, W.E.B. Du Bois always talks about a du duality. That's his concept. There's two sides to a black man and black woman. It's the African ideal and then it's the European one. And um, capitalism, um, in my sense, in this Western, I, um, in this Western sense, is um, is European um, and black people we have a harsh time grasping the capitalistic spirit and the co capitalistic mindset because it's just something not innate in us this type of capitalism it's very harsh um, and the byproduct of his harshness is you see it play out on, in the streets um, so you can meet very kind people who get taken advantage of in this capitalistic society and then you can meet like the ruthless drug dealer who understands how ruthless capitalism, capitalism can be and um, his drug sale. So, you know, he's willing to kill his competition. Um, he's willing to take over blocks through what you will, they would call hostile takeover. Um, in a literal sense, it's not a business sense, but business is warfare. Warfare is business. So if no one tells you that there is, once you realize that you're taking food out of someone's mouth, um, it's warfare. So the African ideals in the European system clashes and you see um, this ruthlessness that takes form followed by South American drugs. So most of the drugs, um, they're being infiltrated through cartels in South America, whether it's Venezuela, Colombia, um, through Central America and through Mexico. And I want them to understand that um, the things that play out in American society has to do with external forces. 
So anything that plays on the African body and, and happens in America is usually external forces. So whether it's external in what we see in TV or the literal sense of the drugs that's being entered into the country and, and led and the final product or the, the retail portion of, of this system is, is, is it entering into black hands. And I say this is keeping it real. Um, this is more so a play on words. It's not keeping it real. Um, I want you to see how fake this is. So it's the irony of it all. Then I say Jewish movies glorify Italian mobsters. One thing you have to understand, Hollywood is a, a, a Jewish creation. If you understand the history of Hollywood, it's a very ingenious system. Is that, you know, after the World War and... Um, when the Jews fled here to America, they wanted to create something. Um, even prior to that, they always wanted to create their image because they were being portrayed um, very vehemently by um, other European societies, other you know German societies. So they said when they create something like the movie, they will never be portrayed in a light that they um, will always create create and control their image and um, it's a very noble thing um, and they were forward-thinking but they oh they basically run that industry and they said glorify Italian mobsters um, a little side note is that I watch a lot of Italian movies The Godfather is one of my favorite movies um, so is Casino um, a lot of mob movies. I watched a ton of mob movies, and um, if you're an African American gangster or even um, just an enthusiast, you love uh, movie enthusiasts. You 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 look at Martin Scorsese and um, a lot of these uh, directors and actors like a Marlon Brando, and you realize they have very um, riveting performances, um, and then or even uh, Robert De Niro. And um, we glorify these Italian mobsters. So once again, through this imagery, we, that's the, what the, the African-American gangster takes on, this, almost this Italian mobster feel, so they wouldn't name themselves after an Italian mobster. Um, a lot of them, they, you know, like the Teflon Don, like John Gotti, um, you would people would name them last name Scarfo or after Nicky Scarfo, uh, Sammy the Bull, all the Italian mobsters that went down. Um, we glorified, and so I say we honor a street code not of our own because even in the movies, even in the Italian movies, they always um, did disliked black people. Um, in the movies, Italian gangsters. Um, there's a scene in The Godfather where he says, uh, just give, give the drugs. They were debating on giving the drugs in, into our communities. He said, give it to the dark people because they don't have a soul anyway. That was one of the Italian mob bosses. And um, he said that in, the, in a meeting with other mob bosses because they didn't want it in their community, but they'll give it to our community. Um, or they'll call us Mulians. Uh, 
short for eggplant. So I, I know because I always wanted to understand the language. Even though I liked the movie, I understood the objectivity of it. Uh, when it came to one's community, they protected the community um, from others. And even if it, even if I objectively liked the movie, I understood that racism played an element and I would never be accepted in their society. So why do we take it on? And I said, accepted by the geometry of courts. Of course, we belong in a zone. So another play on words. In the court system, we're not accepted. But in the basketball court system, we are accepted. So we are accepted in the geometry of courts. So I want to say the geometry of courts is that you need mathematics in order to play basketball. If you're making a bank shot, if you're doing a layup, it's always off a 45 degree angle. I played basketball, so you would have to be good at optical geometry. But then when you go into the courts, we are not accepted. We're actually um, not involved and invested in the courts or in the court system. The other part I discuss is that we lust for Italian designer, but everything is made in China. I just want to give a uh, note that a lot of the designer clothes, they're being manufactured in China and Indonesia. Um, and that's just a process. So we think that this high fashion is being made, made in Italy. It's not. It's actually being made uh, in China for low cost and being sold to us. And we run to it and buy it. Um, and then, and this is just um, a play on just American society. We like everything but our own. And then I go on to say the religions from the Middle East and the political system that's Greek. Um, a lot of our um, religions are from the Middle East, um, what they would call uh, Northeast Africa. but. Um, once again, after the a war, after World War II, World War I, um, it was designated as the Middle East. So all of our, a lot of our major religions are coming straight from the Middle East. And um, the political system that we have, the Greek Senate, the, the, the Roman Senate, um, we, we adopted that into our Western society directly. And then I say, if they preach freedom of the body and not freedom of the mind, what good is freedom of speech? So now I see that now in this society, they don't want you to be educated. They don't want you to critically think, but they want you to have it adult experiences so they would go on to tell a woman yes it's your body it's your mind or they can tell um, anyone of any community go ahead you have freedoms but once you commit an act they'll tell you that you should have known better or they don't want you to be educated at all so there's something called um, ignorance is not a defense of the law and you would hear that. That's like the number one thing. Ignorance is not a defense of the law. So there's libraries, there's public libraries everywhere. You can go 
grab a constitution, you can go read up on the law, but until you break a law you, that you didn't know, hey, that's part of the game. So what good is freedom of speech if you really aren't, um, if you have nothing to offer? Japanese cars are the norm in the street. So here at home in America, if you drive an American car, it's a pretty garbage car. That's the ideology of it all. Ford is called uh, fixed or repaired daily for those who know the acronym. So a Ford card can't, can't compete with a Japanese car, a Toyota or a Nissan um, because American cars aren't reliable. And um, which is a shame because we should all be participating in homegrown American brands, but um, the landscape and the climate won't allow us to do so. Um, we've been programmed to not like the things that's American made. Then I go on to say police do the dirty work of the elite. Um, that's self-explanatory. Uh, a lot of times police are put in a position where they have to do certain things or they have to do arrest quotas. They have to ticket a populace who don't even have uh, the means to provide. Or even if, like that's one thing I say about um, the courts, the court system is that it, it does not favor people who have under $50,000. It does not favor those who are at the lowest rung of society just by, for example, if, um, if I was caught doing something quote unquote unlawfully and I have to go to court or I'm summoned to court, I miss a day. If I want to fight this in court, I miss a day of work. If I'm innocent, I still have to prove that I am innocent. So your first day is your kind of like your arraignment or your pre-trial to say you're guilty or you're not guilty. So you miss a day of work for that. Then the next day you have to come in and prove that. So they give you a, a later court date. So you may miss another day. So you spend two days fighting something that you were innocent. And then if you don't have legal representation, the chance of you losing that is, is, is very high, very likely. And then the other part of it is, is that if the police officer doesn't show up, most likely they'll postpone that date for a later day. So as a human being who's going to miss three days of work, they're just gonna pay the court costs. It's cheaper to pay the fee than to fight the ticket because at that, that moment in time, those three days may have exceeded the, the actual cost of the ticket. Poor people aren't stupid. They just understand the system and they just have to cow down to it. So that's a part of society that I don't like. And regardless, if you win or you lose, you have to pay $30 for the court costs. For some people, that's two hours. If they're getting paid $15 an hour, that's two hours of their lives at work spent. Um, and that's before taxes. 
And then I say, I go into saying, uh, the beast taint our food, so what should I eat? Um, if those who, those of you who understand uh, um, food and the control of food, um, a lot of things in our, our diet is poison. Monsanto owns Roundup, they own the pesticides, and not only own the pesticides, they may own milk, um, a milk farm, they may own dairy farms, they may own corn. So now you have the pesticide farm owning a lot of our food infrastructure. So I go into just say the, the beast taint our food, so what should I eat? Um, fast food is dirty as fast cash. And um, it is. Fast food is, is cheap. It's cheaper to buy fast food than to actually buy groceries. And, um, and that's the position that we're putting in American society. You, may, you can be obese eating McDonald's, unhealthy eating McDonald's or any fast food. And because you can't afford groceries or you may live in a food desert of some sort. And so these are all the things that um, if you're on the lowest rung of society, these are the things that affect you um, greatly in your survival. And so unfortunately, African-Americans are at the lowest rung of society. Most of us, not all of us, um, most of us. Um, we experience some type of, of um, police brutality or some unfairness in the court system. We experience drugs. We experience um, religion that falls in our lap. We experience um, food deserts. We experience um, all of the above that I mentioned before. And the last part is our ex-owners get the last laugh. No money down on my bill of sale. Our, and our ex-owners get the last laugh. So anything that you pay with no money down, usually it's a, it's a, uh, a gimmick. It's, it's to get you now. You put no money down so I can get you later. Um, it's probably a loan sharking technique or your, um, your interest rates are going to be sky high. So if I pay something with no money down, usually I'm probably going to pay something at 24%, They're not going to touch 25%. Um, so I'm just saying that no money down on my bill of sale. So our ex-owners get the last laugh. So, um, of course, black people were bought and sold. We were called chattel. And um, once they they released us once we fought for our freedoms um we still have the tag attached to us so everything um in this society is meant to bring us back into servitude and serfdom and slavery so our ex-owners will get the last laugh there's privatized prisons if you understand the uh, prison industrial complex whole prisons are pretty much developed in the middle of nowhere and cities are built, their economy is built around prisons. And who do, who do they get to fill these prisons? Um, black and 
and Hispanic bodies. This um, piece was very um, heavy because there's a lot of things, a lot of ills in our society that falls directly on our lap. And once again, even in the movies and even in the screen, the TV screen, we are injected with um, racist undertones and overtones. And I just see it play out in all spectrums of our life. And so this piece called Racist was to say that racism is, is just it's in, embedded in everything we do. So how racist can I be by, by uh, shedding light on, this, on these situations? Because I talked about multiple things. And I want the audience to know that I, I spoke in a cadence almost, um, it was almost a, a pattern of some sort because I wanted to give emphasis on the last words. I wanted to give emphasis on each line, line by line. I'm giving emphasis on um, what's going on. I want to thank you all for tuning in. That piece was called Racist. And thank you for tuning in to Cotton in a Rocket Ship. Peace.